Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. But this morning I want to talk about this pivotal chapter in Genesis. How many people just love the book of Genesis? Let's be honest. It's probably one of my favorite books. It's fascinating that you read through it. There's a lot of questions that come up. Let's be honest. Like, well, when did this happen? Did God really do it in six days? Did he really fit all them critters on that boat and save the world through one family? And so here's my quick thoughts without going too deep into it. My quick thoughts on the book of Genesis is, one, Genesis is really the foundation for the rest of the Bible. You start with Genesis, and in Genesis we learn about a God, about a being that he merely speaks and everything that is comes into existence. We learn that this God has a very special creation, mankind. And he apparently loves man, uh, and he wants a relationship with man. And unfortunately, very early on in the Bible, we learn, as we'll talk about this morning, that man sins against this God, breaks his heart, deserves his judgment and his punishment, but God, which becomes a theme of the Bible, in his love and in his grace, chooses to preserve humanity, and not only that, but chooses to make a way for them to be saved. As the foundation for the rest of the Bible, here's what I say about Genesis. If you have a hard time believing the miracles of Genesis, that God spoke everything into existence, that he made man, and made man in his image, and he saved the world through the family of Noah. If you have a hard time believing that, you're going to have a hard time believing the rest of the Bible, to be honest with you. Because if you can't believe that, how can you believe that, that God became a man, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, made the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to leap, the dumb to speak, called dead people back to life. He himself died and raised again. And I think if God can do all that, he can make the world in six days if that's what he wants to do. So that's my summary of the first couple chapters of Genesis. I want to focus in on Genesis chapter 3. And as I prayed about this year and, and what we're going to be preaching as we go through the Bible, and I prayed and thought about what I wanted you to get out of it. One, I want us to learn to study the Bible and go through it together in context. But even more important than that, I want us to learn to see Jesus no matter where we are in God's Word. I've shared with you before how you can see a picture of Christ from Genesis to Revelation. And this morning I want to show you where Jesus is right here in the middle of Genesis chapter 3. So in Genesis, we first see Jesus... In creation, in the beginning, God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If you turn over to John chapter 1, John gives us a little more insight. And it sounds very much like Genesis chapter 1. John says, in the beginning was the Word. 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's talking about Jesus, Son of God. He was with God when? In the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. And so very early on, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit decided they were going to make everything that there is today. That means every plant, every animal, every person is created by God. Every star and every galaxy, every molecule, right down to every single atom came out of the mind of God. And when it was all finished in Genesis, what did God say? He said, Woo, this is very good. That's my redneck God. <laughs> he said, this is good. Very good. He was pleased with what he had done. He was satisfied with what he had made. And at that time, guess what? It was perfect. There was no problem. There was no flaw in what God had made, even in mankind. And, and, and with mankind, there was this relationship that existed between God and man at this time. And guess what? It was exactly the way God wanted it to be. Man got to live in the very presence of God and walk with God day after day in the garden and live face to face with his creator. And then Genesis 3 comes along. And if you were to read your Bible and skip from Genesis chapter 2 to Genesis chapter 4, you'd go, what in the world happened? Genesis chapter 3 happened. It's one of the most pivotal chapters in the whole Bible. And I want you to look at that chapter this morning. Genesis 3 verse 1 is where we'll start. And the Bible says this. It says, Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You can't eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, You must not eat it or touch it, or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. From the very first part of the Bible, and it's not changed to today, is the first attack always comes against God's Word. The first attack starts against the authority of God's Word. The, the devil here asks, has God really said? Has God really said? That? And the question he asks is kind of twisted because God didn't say they couldn't eat from any tree. He said you just can't eat from that one particular tree. And the devil tries to trick her. And then he goes on. He has the audacity to call God himself a liar. Isn't that ironic? The, the liar and father of lies calls God a liar. He says, no, what God says is not true. In fact, if you do this, you'll become like God. That's not what God wants. He, he wants you to stay the way you are. But if you eat this fruit, you'll become like him, knowing good and evil. But here's the thing. Adam and Eve already knew the difference between good and evil. They had been taught the difference by God himself. God says, you can do anything you want to, just don't do this. This is right, this is wrong. But the serpent wants them, understand it's not just about the apple. 
or whatever it was, pineapple. He didn't just want them to eat the forbidden fruit. He wanted them to usurp the authority of God's word. And what I'm saying is he didn't just want them to know the difference between good and evil, but to try and determine what was good and what was evil for themselves. In other, in other words, put themselves in God's place on God's throne. Isn't that how the devil still works? I mean, look at today. I mean, you don't have to look far. The word of God is abundantly clear on a lot of things. And that's why I want us to really dig deep into God's word this year because there's a lot of people, a lot of uh, different parts of our society and culture that say God's word doesn't matter anymore. But it's very clear. And the devil still asks the same question, doesn't he? Well, has God really said this? Can you really trust the Bible? Isn't that outdated? Hasn't the times changed? Hasn't the culture changed? You have the right to choose what's right and what's wrong for yourself. You ever heard that? But when the authority of God's word is attacked, it leads to sinful things. Look at verse 6. It said, The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. He wouldn't tell her not to do it, guys. He was with her. And he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So the devil was right in one thing. He was right that when they sinned, their eyes would be open. But their eyes weren't open to anything good or anything godly. Their eyes were open to their own sinfulness, to their own shame, their own depravity. And that's the, that's the next point is sin always causes you shame. You can try and hide it. You can try and cover it up. But eventually you're going to be ashamed of your sin. This is a really sad and pathetic situation, isn't it? I mean, they look down, they've sinned against God, and they realize they're naked and they shouldn't be. Have you ever been there? Don't answer that. <laughs> but they realize they're full of sin, that they have sinned against God, the one that had just spoke them into existence. And now not only are they ashamed, but they have to face God. It's kind of like when you get in trouble as a kid. You do something you're not supposed to do. Your parents catch you. And instead of just whipping you or punishing you right there, what do they say? Go to your room until I figure out what to do with you. And you're sitting up there scared to death because you, you know they're going to murder you. That's where Adam and Eve were at this point in time. They're scared. They're embarrassed. They're ashamed. Instead of facing the situation, they do what many of us try to do. They try to cover up their sin and their shame. They sew fig leaves together. And I've never seen anybody wearing a fig leaf outfit, but you can imagine it didn't work real good. It's kind of pitiful, really. But in the same way, we sin against God, and we try to cover it up. We tell a little lie here. We deny it. We drag other people into our mess and hurt them along the way. But eventually, we've got to face our problem instead of hiding behind our best attempts at covering it up. But here's the most amazing part. Now, this, is, this is where it gets awesome. If you fell asleep, come back. Notice God's response to man's failure. Verse, verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. 
So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? Can you even imagine the fear that was racing through their hearts in this moment? I mean, I don't know what God sounds like walking through a garden, but when you look at the, the original Hebrew language, it, it means that the, the sound or the voice or even the thundering of Yahweh Elohim was walking through the garden like a mighty rushing wind. And they try their best to hide from him. <laughs> and so God calls out to Adam. God knew where he was at, but he needed Adam to know where Adam was at. And he says, where are you? And you see, Adam was supposed to be walking with God at this time. I imagine it every day around this same time, man. They just took a walk through the garden together. Can you even wrap your mind around that? But now Adam's nowhere to be found. He, he's, he's ashamed. We might just say he's lost. <laughs> he sinned against God. He was ashamed. He was afraid. Probably thought God was going to kill him. Like we think our parents would do to us sometimes when we were kids. Thought that God couldn't love him, that he couldn't stand God's judgment because of what he'd done. But thankfully, even in our sin and even in our shame and even in our fear, God doesn't call us to condemnation. God calls us to salvation. From the very beginning when mankind fell and sinned against God, God has always been about the business of seeking and saving the lost of calling us out. And Adam was lost. Adam's descendants, guess what? They would be lost. But instead of just wiping them out, which God could have rightfully done, he calls out to them, he beckons to them, and he would send them a Savior one day that would come and to seek and to save the lost. And even today, maybe, maybe today you're, you're confronted with your own sinfulness, which we need to be from time to time. And you know what you've done. You're not real proud of some things in your life. You're not real thrilled about some things you've done, some things you've said. Well, guess what? God's still calling out to you. Maybe you're afraid of God's judgment. Maybe you think God can't love a person like you. Maybe you think that God cannot forgive you for the things that you've done. Like what you've done has somehow shocked God. But whatever the case, I want you to know this morning that just like so many years ago, God is still calling people out of their sin and their shame. John 3, 17 says that God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God doesn't want to condemn you. God wants to save you. I thank God that when I was lost, instead of just writing me off, God looked down or looked out at me or whatever you want, however you want to put it, and said, Tyler, where are you? And when I looked around, I was like, where, where am I, God? I didn't like what I saw. But God didn't leave me there. God called me out of that, and he saved me. And God can do the same thing for you this morning. I want you to see Jesus right here in the middle of this. This is, this is awesome. Man's worst moment in all of history led to God's greatest provision. Verse 10 says, And he, Adam, said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. Notice Adam had made some fig leaf clothes, but he still 
understands he's naked. It ain't about being naked. It's about being sinful. Then he asked, well, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man replied, well, the woman you gave me, she gave me some fruit, and I ate it. Adam's not even real sorry at this point. He don't deserve God's grace. None of us do, do we? So the Lord God asked the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate it. So Adam blames Eve. Then he blames God. Eve blames the devil. And God should have just smacked both of them right across the face. But he didn't. Look what happens. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You'll move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. You're going to eat dirt, devil. But then look at verse 15. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Some translations say I'm going to put enmity or hostility between your seed and her seed. And this is the first promise in the Bible of God sending a Savior. That he's going to send somebody. See, we deserve punishment. We deserve death. We deserve all of God's wrath and eternal separation from God. But God said, no, I'm going to punish the devil. But not only is, is he going to punish the devil, not only that, he says, instead of making you, Adam and Eve, and all of humanity, pay the full price for all of your sins, guess what? I'm going to send somebody else. I'm going to send the seed of the woman that will come and will take the full weight of your punishment on himself. I will let the serpent bruise his heel. And that happened on Calvary. He was beaten and he was bruised. And he was left to die. And God said, I will let him bleed and die for your sins. But guess what? Not only is this somebody special that I'm sending, not only is this a Savior to set you free, this is my only begotten Son that I'm going to let take your place. And I'm going to let the serpent bruise his heel, but he will crush his head. And Satan's head was crushed when Jesus died for our sins on the cross. And he took all of Satan's authority to accuse us away that day. And he defeated death by coming out of the grave three days later. You see, that's how God works. And we learn this within the first three chapters of the Bible. <laughs> that we sin and we deserve everything that God could throw on us. But that's not what he does. We sin, but God saves. Isn't that awesome? He sent Jesus to deal with the devil and to deal with our sin once and for all. And because of that, here's kind of the point of everything that I've said this morning. Because of that promise in Genesis 3.15, and because of what Christ did on the cross, 
It means when God calls out to you, when God calls out your name, just like he did Adam, it means you don't have to hide in shame. It means you don't have to be afraid that God's somehow just going to smack you upside the head. He's not out to get you. He's out to save you. Because our God still seeks and saves that which was lost. And it means you can come before the throne of God's grace and you can find not condemnation and not punishment and not hatred from this, this impersonal God. You can find love and forgiveness and peace and eternal life because of what Christ has done for you. So this morning my question as we close is simply, is God calling you today? Maybe God's, you're confronted with your sin. You don't like where you're at. Maybe you've been running, you've been hiding, and God is calling you this morning, and you need to come and, and not, I'm not saying face the fire, you need to come and get saved. Be forgiven. Maybe God is calling you in 2020 for a closer walk with Him. Take your faith a little deeper. Maybe begin to serve Him in some way. However God's calling you this morning, won't you respond? Let's stand together. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you that when we deserved it the least, you loved us the most. God, that when we deserve nothing but your wrath, your judgment, your condemnation, God, you did nothing but pour out on us your grace and your love. And that while we were still sinners, you sent Christ to die for us. God, there's maybe someone here this morning that cannot understand that kind of love. A father that would love them like that. They don't deserve it, so they think they can't have it. But God, that's not how you work. God, right now you're calling people to yourself. And Lord, if there's someone here that's not saved this morning, God, I pray that they would leave all their shame, all their sin behind and come and, and meet Jesus. Lord, if there's someone here that needs to take a, a deeper step in their faith, God, I pray that you'd speak to them right now. And God, that we'd make some fresh commitments here today. Lord, we give you this time of prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.